What are your mental health challenges? Mine usually stem uh, in areas of focus and in areas of just impulsivity. You know, sometimes, you know, it's hard for me to stay focused for long periods of time. And, you know, I think that can turn into um, anxiety, which again can breed impulsivity that can be challenging at times, especially, you know, trying to stay on top of work um, when I have a bunch of different things. Multitasking is a, is a challenge that I try to work with and try to like, you know, really use that 52-17 rule where I can work for 45 minutes to an hour. And then after that, you know, go do something different, you know, go downstairs or, you know, for 15 minutes, disengage and try another task, redo the same thing, but pick it up later know when okay you know i'm not being effective right now i need like a 15 minute break or i need to like change it up or do something get my brain off work because i'm just you know running into the same thought process or obstacles hey there go-getters i'm mikey bashu host of busy done better the podcast designed to help you embrace and enjoy your busy work life a programmer since the age of 12, my journey has taken me from an employee to business owner and founder of Booked In Online Scheduling. But I'm not here to brag about my success or sell you my 10-step plan. The truth is, on many days, I still struggle to keep it all together. Wearing too many hats, having to leave when I don't feel like a leader, solving problems I know little about, struggling to be present with family when all I can do is think about work. Whether you're running a $10 million company, a small business, or working a demanding job, you're likely familiar with these challenges. On this podcast, we examine the dark side of business life, significance of mental health, dynamics of remote work, and the ever-changing meaning of work-life balance, and hopefully make your busy and hectic day a little more interesting and enjoyable. In today's episode, I'm talking with Christian Steeds, head of sales at Booked In. Christian's energy and authentic approach to sales has helped Bookedin make big improvements to its sales process. And to think, it all started with Portuguese dancing. We reflect on the trials and errors of finding the right sales strategy, the importance of engaging early with customers, and how AI can transform the sales process. Christian also shares his tips on dealing with the challenge of having an impulsive personality and staying focused. All this plus soccer, music, and cold immersion tubs. So get ready to be inspired, to learn, and to witness firsthand how sticking your face in a bowl full of ice water can accelerate your career. First podcast recording. So thanks, Christian, for joining me in this podcast run here. Um, so you're, uh, we've been, how how long have we been working together now? Uh, going on three years. So I actually went through and watched your the other day, I went back and watched your original interview with Leanne. <laughs> like, oh, really? It was like exactly you. Like, hasn't changed it at all. Just totally casual, totally casual, totally natural. You were outside. Your internet was dead. You were using oh, your- my- <laughs> in Halifax. Yeah, and you were using your uh, you were using your roommate's cell phone, and like basically everything possible that could have gone wrong to do an interview remotely went wrong for you. And yet you're no, I, I remember that distinctly. Actually, was I going to actually be able to do the interview, but no, it ended up working out. We actually had the power go out in the, in the building. Cause there was like, wasn't a hurricane, but there had been, a, I think there was a hurricane in Halifax, like around that time, like a light moderate one. It didn't really do a lot of damage, yeah. but it did like knock out power. But you know, what was funny was, 
I was watching the thing and thinking to myself, like, you didn't look nervous at all. Like, you were just so natural, despite the fact that all these things were quite a bit nervous. Like, um, 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 you know. Well, I was just like, I was like, ah, can't get much worse. I was like, ah, well, like, I'm outside. Like, (laughs) they're going to think I'm so unprofessional anyways. And they're going to be like, did you steal this? Did you steal this person's phone? Like, are you the actual person I'm interviewing? And you're outside. And But no, the end was really nice. And understanding about it which was very cool for yeah me, so yeah no for sure so one of the things i know i've learned about you over the last three years is you you love soccer so i've always been curious i know we talked about it a little bit you play in the kind of the the league just below right the yeah. canadian professional no i play league? yeah i play in the league just below the um premier league so there's the canadian professional right. uh league then there's uh, one tier below it called like uh, Canadian Premier, and then there's the Division One, and I'm in the Division One. So technically, two below the CPL here in uh, Canada. Yeah. At what point did you start playing soccer? When I was ever since I was kid, like little kid. Uh, yeah, like probably three, four years old. Did you? My dad played all these, so I oh, obviously okay. grew up. Yeah, yeah, playing. Yeah. Yeah, and being Portuguese and Ronaldo and all that. And that was during Ronaldo's prime, right? Born, like, uh, it was like the old school guys still. And Ronaldo came around when I was about, say, about 12. And that's when he really started to, like, come up and, like, be, you know, someone that was on, like, the radar of everybody. And so. Did you play many other sports or was it always soccer? I played all sports. Gymnastics, dancing, basketball, soccer. Uh, football hockey wow yeah when did you sort of start to specialize I'm actually partly asking because my son's on the verge of like he's been talking quite a bit in the last six months or so about he's thinking he's thinking he wants to specialize in soccer he just loves it more Um, and I'm wondering you know I'm more or less thinking I'll just go with his natural you know, that's what he wants to do. You know, it's kind of easier for us to than lugging him around multiple sports. But you know, there is that argument for playing multi-sports. So at what point did you specialize and kind of stop playing other sports? Or did you play multiple sports all the way through? I pretty much played multiple sports all the way through because I would play like in school extracurriculars, but I would specialize. I say I started specializing in sports around that you know, 12, 13 age. That's like, I definitely overwhelmingly played more soccer tournaments. I was at more soccer camps. Um, but I also actually did golf camps when I was a kid. Um, I did like mini U camps. I did like camps that were like multi-sport uh, just because oh, okay. again, there was kind of just like, I was a very athletic kid and I enjoyed playing all the different sports because there's a lot of time in the day when you're a kid and you're not working, right? Like there's a lot of time when you're not in school during the summers to actually do things and you're, you're, you know, you're not going out for drinks and going to restaurants. You don't have money to spend when you're those ages. So like what do you do, you play sports and you yeah, yeah. do that kind of stuff. You know, thankfully my parents could afford it. So for, from 13 on, did, sorry, did you play other sports as well when you start playing provincials? No, pretty much not, nothing really. Uh, I still had like, like my mom made me do dance. I had to do dance, like Portuguese dance, which is kind of crazy. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but no, anything that was like uh, at St. John Buff, 
the time like I did volleyball for St. John Brebeuf, St. John Brebeuf like developmental basketball team. Yeah. And then like at St. Paul's, I did uh, soccer and football. So I played for the St. Paul's high school team and I played for the football team and then also tried oh, wow. to play provincials. Yeah, I mean, so you jumped pretty much jumped on anything that was uh, sports. <laughs> I was a very like if I wasn't in sports, I was causing trouble. So like right. there was a large incentive for me, my parents and myself really to like be an organized sport because it wasn't an organized sport. I wasn't filling my time with anything useful, you know, playing video games and sitting around and watching TV was not uh, something my parents wanted me to do because yeah. I would again do that or I would be out causing trouble with my friends. Yeah. So, How long did you dance? Like up until I was like probably 15, 16. Do you feel like dance helped your sports? Definitely coordination for sure. Like I can't, like when I was doing dance, I feel like I just was more coordinated with my feet because I mean, you're moving, you're spinning, you're like doing timing and rhythm. I actually did it for a long time and I played soccer, which if you could like both of those go really well together, right? Like if you could have a rhythm with dribbling or, with uh you know juggling the ball specifically and and just you're good on your feet and like you're coordinated um just you know helps adapt to certain instances in the game better for sure yeah how hard did your mom have to push to get you to do it like were you kind of really resistant or yes absolutely not it was not (laughs) it was i was not a fan of it i had like a really good class like group of guys that i graduated with like but there are guys right and none of them did dance and i did dance so like that was just not something that yeah uh, i was a fan of plus it was on friday nights it was every friday night till like 8 30 p.m and like when you're a kid hanging out till 8 30 9 30 p.m is like that's late like you know so oh yeah did your mom kind of give you an ultimatum like you have to dance or you're not gonna do sports or oh yes force you to do it yes oh yeah oh yeah there was things there was privileges that were revoked and conversations that were not uh like had no chance of me winning that were had for years <laughs> yes and eventually she caved once i became old enough but yeah. yes that's interesting because my son actually is a very good dancer when he's on his own and nobody's around he'll turn on music and just start dancing and he moves I mean, I'm no expert dance judge, but he moves really well. Like, and it's not just, you know, white guy dancing. It's (laughs) yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's the real deal. And I've, we've been bugging him and we've tried, we put him in dance very early on, but the options like very early are really lame for young kids. Like it's a lot of standing around and, you know, move your arm here. And so he just, wasn't into it and then but now yeah the same reason that you brought up we we brought it up with him you know emerson why don't you try dancing and he just keeps flat out no no i just you know i i just want to keep it my own thing and i keep telling him you know a lot of athletes uh do dance to improve their athletics in fact i think there's quite a few that have done ballet for example that has done a lot for their athletics right yeah no that definitely definitely um 
sounds like something uh, that athletes do do. Like I know yoga and dance and those type of like, uh, not like, or like different kind of niche um, exercises uh, athletes definitely do. One thing I know about dancing is I'm always sweating when I'm on the dance floor. So it is no doubt uh, a good workout and good, a good conditioning workout in, in, um, in coordination as well too. Well, another Um, good one that I did too is gymnastics. That was like not light dance, but a a few times I've had discussions with that. If you want to sort of look at how to, how to sort of set your child up for being competent i guess in athletics in general whatever athletics it that they may choose at the beginning you know kids don't know what they want right you, you, yeah. you put them on stuff and see what sticks but starting with i think gymnastics at the beginning is so core and important in developing coordination strength that translates into basically every other sport and dance too i've and there's something about music you know that Oh yeah. It's very primal. <laughs> it allows you to push yourself really easy. Like find like a really instant motivation to like in that moment, like, you know, for example, I always think about like when I'm working out or something, if I'm working out, it's like a, if I have a good workout playlist on and I'm like pushing out like a rep on bench press or something like that, uh, right on that like eight or ninth rep when it's like the hardest, you're trying to get to that 10th rep. Like I find that like music is very interesting in the way that like, extra gear almost just to push for like one to two seconds or whatever just to like push it up uh like you know when you see people at concerts and they're like mosh pitting or like you know going for hours and hours and yeah, hours yeah. these people are generally like you know older or like for the most part like i see people that are older all the time like that focus or things like jumping up for long periods of time and most normally they wouldn't do that and it's because of the music i guess just allows them to yeah find that extra endurance or that extra yeah dopamine release to really you know kind of push themselves yeah i remember my one of my jiu-jitsu instructors first time i ever heard him equating swimming to martial arts in that swimming is a life skill and everybody understands that and his argument always and he said he would say this to a lot of parents who would put their kids in martial arts and then kind of pull them out and they treat it as kind of an option right just another sport and he would sort of talk to them and say well how do you look at swimming and well swimming is not an option because it's a life skill you don't want your kid to drown and then he said well we live in a world full of aggression full of you know there's there's they'll encounter more of that than they will encounter chance of drowning in a in a lake yeah and so he he kind of painted it as you know a very also an innate skill and his his words were there's two things that humans can't do innately when they're born they can't swim and they can't defend themselves. And that's totally true. Like humans biologically are, have no, like if you go up against another animal, you're like, we're useless, right? Yeah. That's why we invented yeah. guns and knives and you know, yeah. like hand-to-hand combat we're, unless we're trained, right? So but yeah. Yeah, it's, such a, it's such a core part of our existence and, you know, anxiety and, and ability to, you know, deal with even minor levels of aggression but this discussion's also made me think about music and dancing because you know everybody i think to some degree appreciates music everybody likes some kind of music just listening to music just hearing it is one kind of level of engagement 
But then dancing, if you dance to music, you absorb that music and that sound in a much deeper way, right? And so you engage yeah. with music in a much deeper way when you move your whole body to it, right? Oh, and yeah. I almost kind of think from that perspective, and I mean, music is arguably, it predates everything. Like sound predates, you know, even like the Big Bang, there was sound waves at the beginning, putting your kids in dance and doing everything early to give them skills to be able to engage with music in a deep way could actually be argued to be very important in terms of, uh, I don't know if survival, but definitely in terms of feeling alive. <laughs> no, absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that's why people have a connection with music and that just is that almost instinctual connection with a certain sound vibration that is like resonates with you know your being or whatever your current taste at that time our sales and marketing journey has been very interesting i mean when you came on board you were the first salesperson we hired it's the lead generation that's the toughest right we've we've kind of gone back and forth between okay let's focus our sales efforts on conversion converting existing yeah. leads that come in through digital uh, acquisition channels and then experimenting with using sales more for direct outbound which we, we've been doing lately with emails that's a lot tougher right it's tougher to get roi when you're doing cold it's it's hard to do cold outreach yeah. Uh, and, and what we've been sort of well, where we're at now, I think, is we're realizing that it could very well be a volume game, right? You you just you need systems, you need software that you can really scale the efforts out wide. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what we're looking at. But uh, yeah, it's definitely been a journey. Yeah. A lot of uh, frustrations. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lots of trial and error, lots of frustration, <laughs> lots of time and money sank into this and yeah, and it is slowly emerging, but we have had some wins along the way as well too. You know, we have had found some breaks and we have had some, you know, some good insights into what works and what doesn't work and how to, we're slowly building on what, what does work. What's your take on, you know, what's working, what we need to double down on and maybe what we need to do let go of or well i think what's working is again the convert improving our conversion through outbound outreach whether that's a mixture that's like obviously a mixture of sales calls emails um and all those kind of things i think amplifying those touch points in a smart way is the best way to go so obviously calling the customers a few more times increasing the over amount of customer calls that we just conduct uh, and then continuing to work with uh, people that have churned, um, working in those capacities, I think is what's going to, again, over time as we improve the touch point, the quickness and the frequency of touching those people will improve, again, long lasting conversions um, and more of them. And I think that, you know, uh, we de definitely need to double down and continue to do those sales strategies and get it to a point where we have that strategy solidified and then we're just focusing on increasing the amount of leads that go into that strategy. Why do you think it makes a difference to reach out 
and reach out multiple times to customers. I think people now have like a shorter attention span for sure. There's more products shoved at them and in their face than ever before. Um, Their phones and the screens around them are pretty much just TVs now as well too. So, I mean, you have advertisements everywhere. You know, these advertisements are also, you know, uh, personalized. So anytime anyone's ever searched up anything like our product who may be in the market for our product and has downloaded something like our product will probably get marketed with competitors of our product. And they may forget these these short attention spans. They may forget, you know, using our product. They may forget having our account if they don't use it every time, you know, there's, you never know, or if they like our stuff and, you know, it's important for us to be frequently enticing them to download the product and use our software and inevitably see features that they didn't know that they needed. We don't offer uh, that other competitors do. Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense. That's kind of how I viewed it too. How much of it do you think is just more basic need for connection you know many of the industries where you need to set appointments it's 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 helping people it's their their job literally is to perform services for people so you don't i think most don't get into that you'd never consider that a career if you don't like talking to people if you don't like engaging with people that's what they think of when they think of booked in the relationships they have with the people that they've connected with there i still believe that that's you know this the old saying that you don't people don't buy things they buy people right yeah good salespeople understand that i think that they a good salesperson knows if i can get them to buy into me and buy me and want me to come around you know what i mean like again then they'll just buy whatever product i'm selling doesn't matter like you know couches tvs software whatever because they just want me to they want they like chatting with me they like me as a person there's some of that. I know I've been on the other end of being a consumer of products where I definitely have purchased products, stuck with products because that company has put in time into me, has invested time into me in terms of, you know, reached out on a personal level. That's where I didn't see sales as valuable in that whole creating connection and almost building your brand, like using like salespeople help to build your brand. I've only ever looked at salespeople as, well, they're just there to trick somebody, fool somebody into handing over their money. They're shysters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's why I stayed away from sales for quite a while, trying to build the product to be a touchless acquisition uh, product. But yeah, realizing over time that there was that gap, right? Our customers are very people oriented. We're trying to build a touchless acquisition model. There's a gap. Mm-hmm. We need to bring in people that engage because that's what these people appreciate. Our customers appreciate. So, yeah, I think it's it's been great and it's fun. Sales is fun. I never realized that. You know? Yeah, like, well, it's fun because it does, you, it's when you, especially when you have good leads, and you actually have a good chance to make commission and do it. That's why, again, like I'm interested in doing more calls so I can just have a treadmill in front of my, t- in front of here, in front of my screen. I just go through different calls. I'm not kidding you blow it up to like third or like, you know, 80, 90% of the screen. So it's just the phone burner thing. Yeah. Have a clicker that goes to my, that's like a mouse. You could definitely have one. Uh, and I can just go, I could probably actually get that now that I think I just had that just made me give me an idea. I could probably just get a clicker and go between all of the options of which disposition 
I'd like to do it. I can yeah. just call them. Have you ever given thought to how AI will impact sales? Like not necessarily marketing. We know already there's everybody in yeah. the dogs using AI to create marketing copy and um, marketing emails. Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously with follow-up, automating follow-up and just next level, different people emailing each other. Uh, I think things like Bard, like uh, like Microsoft Bard. I was a go- wait, Google. Microsoft? Google Bard, Google. sorry. Yeah. Google Bard. Like where it's kind of like a holistic suite of like AIs, so like realizing that like, oh, this person, you've passed conversations with them in your Gmail here based on that. Like we're automatically going to set your follow-up account or follow-up uh, meeting for this day. Like you guys discussed over the phone that you did on Google Hangouts yeah. and you know why you did that. Uh, we're also going to start drafting out that proposal that you said on your Google Docs. Uh, and in the Google Docs, we'll have all of the list of all the clients who want us to contact. And we'll get those all preloaded up into a mass email merge for you. That way you can set that up. Should we just start the process? Uh, and then essentially, I think sales, especially at that level with AI tools like that, because that that is going to be implemented as soon as it's ready to like go. Like, you know, absolutely it helps. It helps me sometimes when I'm in a pinch, like I need to write something up. Okay, I'll look at, I'll use AI and say, find me, you know, again, competitors of this or reviews on this product or i know our developers have been using it uh co-pilot anyway it's a ai tool that i think microsoft built uh to generate code and that's been mind-blowing when i saw a demo from one of our devs on how how much it helps to increase the speed of development so that's that's super exciting but i mean everyone's gonna have that capability right so it's just going to raise the bar for everybody not it's not like it's going to give one or two companies a big you know an advantage getting on it quickly right so that's why i told our team you know the minute i saw that it's like okay everybody right now new initiative you know weekly learning uh lunch and learns i want to adopt this as quickly as human as, as possible because now it's a race Literally, it's a race yeah. to which companies can adopt AI the quickest in terms of getting market uh, market momentum and market market share, larger market share, right? Yeah. So I, I'm not too worried about the whole replacing humans. I I think I think that's way overblown. I yeah. think certain jobs. Maybe Undeniably, it'll be reduced for sure. Copywriters. But I don't sure. know if they'll be really eliminated as much as changed. You know, copywriters may not be creating copy from scratch, but they certainly have to learn, still create copy, but now by using AI, they still have to vet yeah. the copy that AI creates, possibly polish it a little bit, possibly make some changes whatever. So you still need a human to do that. Um, yeah. You know, like AI is not gonna, not gonna replace that. So it, it's, it's really just about adopting and building now a relationship with AI and making it a regular part of every, everyday life, like electricity, for example, you know, like yeah, <laughs> type of thing. So um yeah, it'll be uh 
you're right though the the follow-ups and the the back and forth for example will be can definitely be because there's so much of the same questions and the same answers that you get right um there was a there was a startup that i remember looking at a while back that was creating a purely ai based virtual assistant that sort of did that where you would if you needed a a time to meet somebody or instead of emailing and the person picking it up then looking in their calendar and blah 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 you know you would literally email they would hand off that task and it was it's like x.com or something weird like that something there's a lot of them yeah so um but yeah now it's have you heard of motion i have not i just saw it again a facebook ad but i checked it out and it was it's a software i'm sure there's probably more than one of these but it's essentially there's now ai based tools that are attempting to help with prioritization of your work so they automatically prioritize so i think if i understand the gist of it they you feed them a bunch of like what type of work you need to do and you know kind of how you like to work some initial parameters if you will and you sync your calendars as well so the ai can see you know your pattern of when your meetings are and slowly it get it starts to dictate so it gets to a point where instead of you waking up every morning going okay what do i need to do today and spending time to sort out your day and what your priorities mm -hmm. are the ai does that for you so it literally you wake up the the ai will say okay starting at nine o'clock you need to respond to emails and it'll tell you how long to spend on that based mm -hmm. on how many emails you have maybe or what else you have in that day it'll yeah. say okay your next 30 minutes you're spending on you know and then if you have a particular project you're working on okay you know in the next hour and a half you you got to work on that you're going to work on this project then we've set up a meeting for you then like literally so i yeah i read some reviews and they were very mixed about how well it actually works yeah I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not a, uh, when I was younger, I was an early adopter of stuff. I love jumping on new things, but now it's, I, I wait. <laughs> yeah. Cause I just don't have time to be an early adopter. So I kind of curious and I was like tempted to try it, but then I know that if I touch this, I'm going to, like, it's going to be three days of me monkeying around with this and then I won't do any work. So, That's and funny. it's, and it's early still, right? So it's good chance that they're not really that valuable yet. Um, so, but it's, yeah, it's so much stuff coming out. It's, uh, I was talking with a guy I know the other day that was, we were talking about AI and he was feeling the pressure for his work to just, he was saying, you know, it's, you you have to read like you have to really like now you have to read yeah. you have to keep up you have to understand all the things that are it's coming going out so fast because if you can really fall behind quickly now and yeah. and you know fall behind the ball so i feel us as a company we have to really make embracing ai as a priority at all levels right sales marketing definitely tech development um so maybe we can get a the ai to replace the founder <laughs> there you go not sure then you, can go, then you can go and make uh 
make your son a soccer prodigy yeah and drive people crazy elsewhere um yeah cool so what in terms of i want to talk about mental health for a minute okay. we've we've talked about this topic off and yeah. on i've definitely had my mental health challenges over the years and decades of trying to run a business and and uh raising kids and also yeah. having genetic predispositions to i was diagnosed with bipolar my early 20s so there was always been a decades of work to sort of maintain positive uh but i think from our discussions oh actually i'll let you sort of describe how do you approach what are your mental health challenges generally and how do you approach dealing with them mine usually stem uh in areas of focus and in areas of just impulsivity you know um sometimes you know it's hard for me to stay focused for long periods of time and um you know i think that can turn into um anxiety which again can breed impulsivity and um that can be challenging at times especially you know trying to stay on top with work um when i have a bunch of different things multitasking um i need to focus on one or the other you know i can kind of be drawn between a few different working tasks right and then obviously that doesn't help with um getting them done effectively um it also you know needs to more time so um you know that is a, is a challenge that i try to work with and try to like you know really use that 52 17 rule um you know where i can work for 45 minutes to an hour and then after that you know go do something different you know go downstairs or you know that's why i like this treadmill idea or just something you know for 15 minutes just engage and try another task um, or just, you know, redo the same thing, but pick it up later. Um, I think those are a couple of my challenges that I, that I struggle with at times and that I work through by, yeah, just really trying to like know when, okay, you know, I'm not being effective right now. I need like a 15 minute break, right? To like change it up or do something, get my brain off work. Cause I'm just, you know, running into the same thought process or obstacles. So do you, so I would say for myself. Do you feel it when you, like when you're working away and then you, do you feel that switch when you've kind of fallen into like that unproductive zone? Yeah, I do. I'd start to like realize, cause I'll start to like, you know, look at something else and I'll be like, oh, like, what is that? Like, for example, I'm shopping for furniture right now, right? So like anytime I'm on the internet or anytime I have something open, whatever like if there's a space for advertising i usually will get something about furniture or something like that and i'm always like oh like you know wayfair's always got something interesting on right that i'm interested in or whatever so um that definitely is something that i notice when i start to go off task and go on to you know something that's just completely not related and then all of a sudden like oh man the last like you know 10 minutes i've been looking at chairs or something you know so yeah um Right. But also like specifically right now, like this next month, like since I'm moving into my new house, my first ever like my house, like obviously it'll be hard, harder for me to have focus near, near that one week. But once I'm there, I do think that like once I have my own place, once I'm like in my own space, have this stuff, like my focus will actually triple or be much better because, you know, like I'll have, I don't know, like I just feel like it's like a significant stepping stone in you're in 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 someone's life and i do think that a lot of my anxieties and a lot of 
things that cause me to lose focus are, are, you know, based on things that I want for myself and things that I see for myself or, or think, you know, lifestyles that I want, whatever. Um, and I do think that this is a step in the right direction towards using some of those. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh it's interesting. Plus it's easier uh, to meet women when you're not taking them to your mom's basement. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. Um, unless they really like your mom. That's a red flag for me then. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I can relate to the impulsivity and same thing. I also find when I'm easily distracted, I need to walk away because now, you know, you're wasting time. Yeah. You could, I mean, you, you could, you could bulldoze through and get whatever you're working on done, but it's very high probability that it's going to take you three times longer or, and, or it's going to be like low quality when you're done. Mm -hmm. And you just know that that's, that's the case. So it's way better to walk away. Like you say, go for a walk or whatever, and come back when you're refocused. And then, cause it's, you know, even though you're walking away, 15, 20 minutes away, you're not working, but you come back and now you're, yeah. can get through that in an hour versus it would have taken you the rest you know, half a day to get through if you were just trying to barrel through it while you're really want to do something else. Right. So yeah, that 5217 was, uh, I fallen off of that wagon. I haven't been doing it just because my day, I I'm, I'm actually at the point where I really need to refocus on summer is so hard with kids and yeah, routines are every day is different. Like right when I'm done this, I have to go to the Lake to pick up my kids. And, you know, so it's, it's so all over the place. So I almost like kind of give up in the summer in a way. Yeah. That's in terms of like, you know, the summer is just chaos and it's a shit show. And I just, I'm just going to leave it at that and just get whatever I can get done. I get yeah. done. And I try not to like put heavy things into my summers, like heavy projects that I know. Yeah. Uh, I try to keep it light uh, because it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like that. And I, and I do want, to have that kind of good energy for being with my kids. Cause you only get sort of so many summers with them that, you know, when they're young and then eventually, you know, so, but uh, yeah, so it's definitely tougher to, to focus, but the, the, yeah, the taking the regimented breaks, if you can uh, structure your day is, is huge. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I love it a lot. Yeah. And specifically I, so what are some of the things that you do during your breaks? Oh, go on my phone or go outside and play with my cat, walk around downstairs and catch up on Arsenal news shop for right now, shop for furniture. Um, so they'll kick the ball around in my house, like make yeah. food, lay yeah. down sometimes like, yeah it's random there's no there's nothing specific it's just not calls or it's not emails not like you know yeah 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 i uh i tend to i'll sometimes i'll do a quick seven minute workout or yeah. i stretch i find stretching like phenomenal like stretching just resets my energy yeah uh or yeah just a quick set of push-ups sit-ups type of thing 
but yeah, making a bite to eat or I actually have been uh, recently have, I have a bowl in my kitchen yeah. that I fill with ice and ice water and I'll, cause my eyes get kind of heavy and kind of yeah. pressure behind oh, my yeah. eyes. And I find when I'm like that is, I don't know, it kind of affects the rest of my brain. And yeah. I find s- literally stuffing my face into a bowl full of ice water for an, and just for a few seconds, you know, you have to hold your breath. So um, just, I don't know. It's like an instant cure. Like, yeah. And it like weirdly, I don't know, there must be some nerves or something to do with eyes that affect energy in your body because I find it completely re-energizes me. Oh yeah. So, so I'll do that sometimes. I've um, heard this, like cold baths like that or like cold plunges specifically really help with like, like in comparison to like something like they're comparing it to like cocaine, the effects of like cocaine on your brain and like, the instant dopamine rush and like alertness that you get when you do cocaine is like dwarfed in comparison and like in comparison to like duration longevity and like actual intensity of a cold plunge or like like they compared to like they said like actually dunking yourself in like an arctic temperature like water so like if you're in like you know by the atlantic ocean or whatever uh dumping jumping in that in like august like yeah for like a second Right, like wakes you up and it just makes you feel like apparently cures everything. Crazy. Yeah, and if if you can turn that into a daily routine, like I when I learned about Wim Hof, I started yeah. doing the Wim Hof method, including the breathing exercises, and I've religiously been doing that for years now. Every single day, yeah. I'll have a cold shower at least once a day before bed for sure. Uh, and if I do do a heavy workout and have a you know, a shower after because you want to get the sweat yeah. off. Um, I'll finish it with a cold shower always. The only problem with the shower is during the summer, my in my house, I can't really the water doesn't get cold enough. Like it's yeah, no. kind of cold, but it's kind of luke cold and you it's need one of those metal now. tubs. So yeah, <laughs> in the winter it's fine. It gets because I guess the pipes whatever run through the ground. I don't know. Yeah. Through the, through the maybe our walls aren't as insulated as they should be. I don't know why, but the water is definitely a lot colder. So it's, it works fine in the, in the winter, but yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, hundred percent, it's like breathing and cold. It's, it's a, it's a biohack, right? But, oh yeah. You know, it kind of goes back to biologically. It's really recently we've, at least in our world, we've, we now live pretty much all the time indoors, or at least the majority of people do. Uh, yeah. We spend relatively little time outside. So you're not exposed to temperature changes too much, right? No. And you, there's your body, like it's, it, it, I find it kind of like cooling, your body's ability to cool itself and to, or to warm itself, to, to regulate its own temperature. It's like a muscle. If yeah. it's not for, if you're not forcing it to do that regularly, it gets dormant and poor. And they, and they've, I remember watching a a study that they did on uh, runners. This is a long time ago. I watched this where, and it, it, the study was about, yeah, cooling and they measured it by perspiration. So they had people, they would have people be all wired up with sensors everywhere and they would have them go onto a treadmill. 
and they took people that were all the way from very unfit to kind of average fitness all the way to like marathon runners like crazy level yeah. fit and they found very consistently that the less fit you were the, so the people that were unfit it would take they would come on the treadmill and they would get them to you know run or they would get their heart rate to a certain level okay so obviously your marathon runners that they can't they can't get them to go the same speed because somebody who's not isn't yeah. gonna run as fast as a marathon runner but so i think they did it on heart rate so they got them to do a certain amount of exercise at a certain level of heart rate for a certain amount of time kind of equal across all and they measured how quickly they could detect perspiration on the body how quickly the body it took the body to perspire uh in meaning how quickly the body would mechanisms would kick in to start cooling itself so the unfit people it would take whatever if they were on the treadmill for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 i don't know how long they were on it it would take them like whatever upwards to five minutes or more for them yeah. for them to detect any sweat when they got to the marathon runners, they started sweating as they were stepping onto the treadmill before Ooh. they even started running. That's how like fine-tuned their I, I'll never forget it because they were yeah. So, you know, in terms of people like now that our climate's warming up and all this, I kind of feel like the way that you know, it's being so, oh, we need more money to, you know, better cooling and buildings and all that, like hate, help people escape the heat. And I, I just, that's, that's backwards. And, you know, now when, when we were young, there was a much lower threshold for, for example, canceling soccer games. So yeah. now we had a few weeks back, we had a couple of days where it was pretty hot, like in the low thirties. Yeah. And they why is it canceled all soccer games for all kids? And yeah. So many of us were going, well, yeah, it's warm, but these are kids. Like they're it's fine. Like, why would you can't, you know, it's all yeah. live, you know, nowadays it's all liabilities and legalities, right? And whatever. Yeah. They don't want to be in the hook in case one kid gets, you know, heat exhaustion or something. But it's ridiculous because we're we need to actually be training in ourselves to like you need every like if we're you know otherwise we're just all gonna never go outside right and you see that right people there's such a fine temperature range that people feel comfortable anything outside of that they're complaining right oh it's so hot i don't want to go outside you know or oh it's so cold i don't want you know it's like but yep you feel that way because you don't go outside like once you, I, I actually love running in the heat. I love the sweating. I love like, and I, I've since when I was really poor shape back yeah. when I was just drinking and partying a lot and just was working yeah. out and it was pretty poor shape. I remember vividly, I, and I was traveling in Australia at the time and Australia gets pretty hot in the summers. I remember vividly, remember the feeling of feeling very uncomfortable in heat mm -hmm. and it was just kind of like a uh, like my body was like 
can't deal with it. Like you just kind of, yeah. But ever since I, you know, fell back into shape and now I'm in pretty good physical shape, I never have issues. I don't even think about it. It's, it does. I never look at the temperature. I go, whatever it's 35, 36. That's pretty hot, but still like it never, I feel hot. I feel the heat, but for whatever reason, it's not un- that uncomfortable. You know what I mean? I can still do whatever. And, and so that I definitely know, like through experience that um, you have to train your body too. And when you train it, your body will no longer feel uncomfortable because it, it knows how to adjust quickly, right? It yeah. knows how to increase the cooling or, or increase the heating and you, you, you don't feel that discomfort, but we're being pushed to not do that. <laughs> to run yeah. away from it and go into an artificial environment as the way to deal with it. And I think that's just going to have negative long-term effects, but whatever. Yep. Anyway, but um, yeah, I know mental health now is, is obviously a big challenge on like COVID's changed a lot of things in terms of working from home and you know not having that i think people aren't physically uh inter interact as much or you're not going to work as much many people you know so it is i mean we we that's a huge need that we have so i think there's there's a lot of it's interesting now also at the same time it's raised awareness and we're building yeah i think we're understanding it a lot more we're understanding who we are it helps us to understand like who we are as a as a species you know like in a way so oh yeah 100 percent. yeah Yeah. anyway yeah i think that's uh thanks thanks for uh, the chat our chats are always fun so yeah thanks, thanks for doing this I'm happy to be the first first guest on the on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> first of many. Yeah. Yeah, should be fun. All right. Thanks, Christian. Cool. See and uh yeah. See you later. See you on Mike. Thanks for having. Yep. Take care. Okay. We can cut it there. I'll get Justin yeah. to edit the rest. So nice. Uh, yeah. How did you I mean, yeah, just sure. had a conversation, yeah. I think if we just improve the background, your background. And that's a wrap. I hope our discussions today have given you some insights, inspiration, or even just food for thought. Whether it's navigating the world of business, championing mental health, adapting to remote work, or keeping up with the latest tech trends, remember, every challenge is a gift, an opportunity to learn more about yourself, others, and the world around us. I want to extend a big thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. Your support truly means the world. If you found value in today's conversation, please consider sharing this podcast with a friend or leaving us a review. It helps more people discover these stories and insights. I'm Mikey Vashu signing off for now. Stay curious, stay resilient, and I'll catch you in the next episode.